actually in the middle of a sermon series through the book of Ephesians. And here's the central message of this book of Ephesians. Jesus changes us as individuals. He gives us eternal life. He gives us eternal life to come and a new nature here and now. And Jesus also weaves us into the community of the local church so we can all together be transformed and be on mission together. And so which is why we've titled the series New Nature and New Community. The Bible passage we're going to be looking at this morning is a prayer that the Apostle Paul, uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a prayer that he prayed for the church at uh, Ephesus. Uh, And this prayer is so helpful for every one of us too. So allow me to read the passage. It's going to come up for us on screen as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Most of you know that I was was born and raised uh, in a Hindu family before I became uh, a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, in those days, in my early life, uh, early days as a follower of Christ, I always wondered, what on earth this Easter was? Because I never come across that word before. So I had no paradigm for that word. And that word had no meaning for me. It was only later that I understood that Easter is actually the day in which we celebrate that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead after he was crucified to death. So, so for, for people like me, uh, maybe it's better off calling this Sunday Resurrection Sunday than, uh, than, than Easter. So if you're here and you walked in wondering, somebody, maybe your friend invited you for Easter, and you're wondering, what is this Easter? Easter is the day in which we remember and celebrate that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rose again from the dead. So if you're celebrating the resurrection of Christ, why did I pick this passage uh, on, on Resurrection Sunday? And there is no obvious mention of the resurrection of Christ Jesus in this passage. But this passage is still actually all about the resurrection of Christ. Twice in this passage, Paul mentions the word power. First in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. And then in verses 17 and 18, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people And it goes on. So what is this power that Paul is mentioning twice in this passage? 
And that answer lies actually in the first prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus in the first chapter of Ephesians. We looked at that a few weeks ago, but let me read this out for us. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And Paul goes on to say, that power is the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God at the heavenly realms. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 20. So the power that Paul is talking about and praying about in this passage is the resurrection power of Christ Jesus that is available for every one of us who believes in him. And so this passage is actually all about the resurrection power of Christ, how it flows into us and what it does in us. So having established that, I'd like to draw three things out for us from this passage. First, we are too weak to experience the love of God. Second, why we are too weak to experience the love of God. And third, how to receive this power to experience the love of God. Three things. First, a statement. We are too weak to experience the love of God. Second, why are we too weak to experience the love of God? And third, how to receive this power to experience the love of God. Let's start with the first thing. We are too weak to experience the love of God. In the passage we read, Paul is praying for resurrection power for every one of us for two reasons. The first reason he gives is that God may strengthen you with power so Christ may dwell in your hearts. And second, Paul says, so that you may have power together with the Lord's holy people To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So Paul is praying that we will have power, we will have resurrection power to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. This is extremely interesting. This is extremely interesting and it it is extremely unusual. Why would Paul pray that we will have the power to experience God's love? There can be only one answer. Paul is praying that we will have power to experience God's love because we are too weak to experience the love of God. We are too weak to experience the love of God. We are too feeble to experience the love of God. I bet this thought has has never ever crossed our minds. We are too weak to experience the love of God. And this idea of being too weak to experience the love of God or this whole idea of even being weak is very alien to, to us. It's very alien to our culture. And not only is this idea very alien, this idea of being too weak for anything is not palatable to us. 
we have been brought up and raised in a culture which has trained us to detest every weakness we are a proud culture we are a proud people and which is why we just love all those motivational speakers out there who is telling you believe in yourself you can do it you have it in you put your mind to it and you can accomplish everything anything just speak it and it will manifest the power is there in you jesus christ is not a motivational speaker he is the son of god he is god himself and jesus did say that we are too weak to experience god's love jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me no one has the power no one has the strength to come to the father except through me jesus said in john chapter 14 verse 6 we are all every one of us weak and powerless to experience the love of god except through the death and the resurrection of jesus christ the son of god a culture detests this idea of being too weak to experience the love of god but the bible it calls us to embrace this reality that we are indeed too weak to experience the love of god in the old testament of the bible there's a book called uh, the song of songs uh, when i became a new believer the first new follower of christ the first book i wanted to read in the bible is the song of songs because they told me it's a love story and and indeed it is at one level uh, this book is the love story of a couple who are passionately in love and they are about to get married and that's the book the song of songs in the bible on the face of it but this book in the bible is also an allegory of christ the bridegroom christ our bridegroom and all of us the church his bride so let me read out a verse from the song of songs and this verse is the woman in in, the, in this couple the woman singing about her lover just before her marriage to him song of songs chapter 2 verses 3 to 5 like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among young men I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall. Let his banner over me be love. Verse 5. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples for I am faint with love. another version puts it this way strengthen me with raisin cakes refresh me with apples for i am weak with love singing of her lover this woman is crying strengthen me strengthen me for i am too weak to experience the love of my beloved lover i am too weak she cries to receive all the love my lover is showering upon me strengthen me for i am too weak for his love you know this is exactly what paul is praying this is exactly what paul is praying for the ephesians church church at ephesus and for every one of us the people in ephesus just like us we are too weak to receive the full love of god 
And so Paul is praying that they may have the power, that they might be strengthened with power, with the resurrection power of Christ himself to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So to the Ephesian Ephesian church and to us, Paul is praying, you are too weak to experience God's love. And I pray that you might have the resurrection power to experience the fullness of God's love. You're not going to like what I'm about to say next. We're all failures in love. We're all too feeble for love. We're all too weak for love. And I'm not even talking about loving God here. I'm talking about loving our loved ones, loving our husbands and children and our wives and our boyfriends and, 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 a girl, and our girlfriends. People that we really deeply love. Love us a lot more than just posting a pretty picture on Instagram. Love us a lot more than having a, a meal together. Love us a lot more than just getting each other good gifts. Love is loving your spouse when he or she is the most unlovable. You know, this morning, Larissa bought some really good cake, and I was really enjoying the cake, and my wife asked me for a cup of coffee. And I was irritated, more than a little irritated. I want to enjoy my cake. Right? Love puts the cake aside and gets your spouse that coffee. Amen. Love is not getting angry with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your children or your parents when they don't love you the way you want them to love you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. Love does not go around saying, love me more, love me more. Love Love goes around asking, how can I love you more? How can I serve you more? Love looks to give and not to take. Love does not expect others to keep us central in their lives. Love longs to make others central in our lives with God, of course, as a first. Love is not easily angered. Love is not proud. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. That is Paul describing true love in another portion in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Are you strong for this kind of love? Are you strong for this kind of Christ-like giving love? We are too weak to experience the love of God. That's the first thing I wanted to draw out for us from the passage. The second thing I wanted to draw out for us from this passage is, why are we too weak to experience the love of God? Why is it that we are too weak to experience the love of God? Every time I think of the reality that we are weak to experience the love of God, the picture that comes to mind is a bucket with holes in it. And no matter how much water we pour into the bucket, the bucket is powerless to hold the water in. When God created Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, they had no such holes. 
through which the love of God just, just leaked away. They were created with a capacity and to experience and hold the fullness of love that God showered them with. But sin entered the world and punctured this bucket. And because they sinned, every one of us who, been, who have been born since, we have been born uh, with, with holes in our, in our buckets. And so, we are too weak to receive and to hold the love of God. Sin is what makes us weak to experience the love of God. And there are two specific ways in which sin makes us too weak to experience the love of God. Two specific ways. The first way is, of course, outright sinfulness. When we do things that violate and break God's moral law, this hardens our heart and makes us weak to experience God's love. Let me give you, try and give you one example. When you and I are outright jealous and bitter about somebody else's success, uh, we become too weak to experience God's love. Now, how could we experience, God, experience God's pure love when our hearts are corrupt with hatred and envy and jealousy and bitterness? And, and this bitterness could manifest in making us believe the lie that God loves somebody else more than he loves us. In this lie, and in a thousand other lies like this, we become too weak to experience God's love. You know, I picked the sin of jealousy intentionally. If I had picked some really bad sins like murder, fraud, uh, adultery, we could all have walked away with it uh, with, without repenting. Uh, but I pick jealousy because I think it's fairly common. Don't tell me you don't experience jealousy. Don't make me feel bad here. Don't tell me I'm the only one experiencing jealousy. I do. I do feel the occasional pang of jealousy when I see another pastor who's more successful than I am or when I see another journalist who's more successful than I am. And jealousy is just one of those thousand sins that we're all guilty of. And each of these sins make us weak to experience the love of God. And so that's the first way in which we become too weak to experience God's love, outright sinfulness. The second way in which we become too weak to experience God's love is through our self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. The Bible calls this self-righteousness. To live in self-sufficiency is to reject the love of God. You know, we may not recognize this, but from the time we were born, our lives turn out, quite often turn out to be a pursuit of self-sufficiency. These days, if you want your child to be in a good school, you've got to register at the school when you're pregnant. And we all want our children to go to good schools. Why do we want them to go to good schools? We want them to go to good schools because we want them to get a good education. Why do we want them to get a good education? Because we want them to be self-sufficient. So from the time of birth, our pursuit for self-sufficiency begins and continues on and on and on, endlessly, all through our lives till we die. We always want a better job and a higher pay because we want to be self-sufficient. We want to buy a bigger home because we want to be self-sufficient. Those SIPs that give us so much joy and we plan for our retirement savings because we want to be self-sufficient even in our retired life. 
Don't get me wrong. None of these things, none of these are bad things. Every one of these are good and beautiful gifts that our Father in Heaven delights to give us. All of these are good and beautiful things. But the moment any of these things start making us feel self-sufficient and starts reducing our dependency on God, they become a terrible curse on our lives. Here's the reality. The more self-sufficient we become, the more weak we become to experience God's love. On the other hand, the more humble we are, the more inadequate we feel about our own strength, the more weaker we feel, the more stronger we become to experience the love of God. And that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. And Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And so all of us have not one hole in the bucket, but we have two holes in the bucket. The hole of outright sinfulness and the hole of self-sufficiency. And both of these holes make us too weak to experience the love of God. That is why we are weak to experience the love of God. That's the second thing I wanted to draw out for us from the passage. The third and the last thing that I'd like to close us with this morning is this. How to receive this power to experience the love of God. How do we grow in this power to experience the love of God? Do you know what all religions, including Christianity, if it's followed as a mere religion, will tell you as the answer to this question? All religions will tell you this. Become a better person. Be more disciplined. Try harder. Do better. Get this sorted in your life. Fix yourself. Fix yourself. If you become a good person, God will bless you and love you. If you don't fix yourself, how is God going to bless you? Fix yourself. That is what every religion, including Christianity, if it's followed as a mere dead religion, will tell you. But that's not what Jesus Christ tells us. That's not what the Son of God tells us. The first thing that Jesus would tell us is you can't fix yourself. We can't fix ourselves. We can't become better just by trying harder. Christ would tell us we cannot fix the holes in our bucket by our good intentions or even by our good behavior. And so Jesus did something infinitely more profound than demand that we fix ourselves. And this is what Jesus did. Even though he was the son of God, even though he was God himself, he took on the form of a man and he came to live among us. He lived among us. He was tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet... He did not sin. He was utterly sinless. And he did every good work that was set before him to do. He lived a perfect life. He lived the perfect life that none of us could ever live. Having done all of that, 
when the father's appointed time came the sinless christ gave himself over as a sacrifice of atonement to be crucified to death on a cross and as he was as he lay there dying on the cross it was not just the roman soldiers who were crucifying him but the full just and holy wrath of god for the sin of every one of us who would believe in jesus was poured out on him christ died in our place he was punished in our place it was each of us who should have hung there on the cross he hung in our place he served the sentence in our place and he lay dead his body cold lifeless dead in a borrowed tomb but once all the punishment of god for all of your sins and mine was done with the dead body of christ began to breathe and he rose again from the dead victorious and when he rose again from the dead victorious he clothed every one of us with his righteousness and it is only when we are clothed with the righteousness of christ himself that the holes in our bucket are forever sealed it is only in the resurrection power of christ that we receive the strength that we receive the power to experience god's love there is no other way there is no power no other power that can strengthen us to experience the love the love of god except the power of christ dead on the cross and risen from the dead and so before the resurrection of christ our buckets had holes that could never be plugged and we lived in sin too weak to experience god's love but when christ rose again from the dead he clothed us with righteousness and sealed all our leaking buckets and that is why paul is praying that the resurrection power of christ will enable us to experience the love of god he's praying this because only the resurrection power of christ can really enable us to experience the love of god jesus did not say go fix yourself he died and rose again in order that he could fix us the resurrection power of christ gives us the power to experience god's love allow me to close with one last thought if this is your very first time in a church setting i do need to tell you this uh it's very simple what i would like to tell you i want to tell you that you cannot believe that jesus christ was a good man and not believe he rose again from the dead you cannot believe that jesus christ was a good man and not believe that he rose again from the dead because if you really believe that jesus christ is a good man you have to believe that he spoke the truth good men don't tell lies and so if jesus christ as you believe is indeed a good man and you and he spoke the truth 
you have to believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead simply because he spoke about rising again from the dead at least a dozen times, including the words that Cindy read out for us during the time of worship. Jesus kept saying again and again that he's going to be crucified to death and he rose again from the dead. So if you really believe that Jesus Christ is a good man who speaks the truth, you should be believing that he also rose again from the dead. And logically, the next step is if you indeed believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, you cannot dismiss him as a mere good man. Since he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven where he originally came from, he must be, he is the son of God and the savior of the world. The savior who didn't come to punish bad people the first time he came, but the savior who came to die and give his life for bad people, every one of us, so that we could all be redeemed by his resurrection. This Resurrection Sunday morning, do you feel God nudging, in, nudging at your heart? Do you feel God gently pulling at your heart and lovingly calling you to believe in this Christ Jesus? And do you, do you sense God calling you to believe that the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus is for your blessing. It's for your eternal life. It's for your sins and all of our sins to be totally wiped away. If you're experiencing this call of God, would you join with me as I pray? Father, we pray for uh, those of us who might even right now be experiencing this, this affection for Christ Jesus an affection they may never have felt before. Experience of the beauty of Christ in their hearts. And Father, we pray that in those of us in whose heart your Holy Spirit is birthing this faith, this grace to believe, Father, would you complete that work even now? And would you enable them to believe in their heart and to declare with their mouths that Christ Jesus is the Lord? For the rest of us, Lord, we pray. We pray. We pray as Paul prayed. Strengthen us with power, with resurrection power, so that together with all the saints, we might know and experience how high and wide and how long and deep is the love of Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.